If you recall last week, we had the beginning of Jesus' ministry as he walks into the temple at Nazareth, or the synagogue rather, at Nazareth, not the temple, and uh, is handed the scroll and he proclaims uh, that this is a time acceptable to the Lord, a year acceptable to the Lord, and they all look at him intently and he opens his mouth Uh, And he says the same words that we hear at the beginning of this gospel passage, of course, because the the church wanted to make that connection for us. Today, the scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. And they all are ooing and awing and speaking favorably at him, amazed at these gracious words. But then it starts to settle in their minds, who is this? Who is this one? We know who he is. He's, He's the son of Joseph. He's the son of Mary. And perhaps they call to mind, well, he's the one that would carry wood behind his father, or he would, he would assist his mother in the marketplace or carrying home water. Uh, where did he get all of this? We, th- this just doesn't make sense. We can't believe. And Jesus picks up on it, and he says, you're going to quote me, <laughs> physician, heal yourself. And do, to, do hear what you did in Capernaum. Those that are paying attention know uh, St. Luke hasn't recorded much of anything of what happened at Capernaum yet because almost nothing happened in the Gospel of Luke. So uh, there's a little discrepancy there. But all of a sudden the tide turns. Especially when Jesus says no prophet is accepted in his his native place and gives these two examples. We have the widow at Zarephath, a Gentile, and Naaman the Syrian. A Gentile. In fact, I'd like to point out, even yet today, Israel and Syria are not the best of friends, the countries. For Jesus to point out those two examples, it raised the temperature in the room a lot. And of course, they are ready to put him to death by uh, there's a discrepancy here, too, is, is sometimes we get this image of this great big cliff that Nazareth was built on. No, it wasn't built on a cliff, it was built on a hill. But they were going to throw him down headlong, and that would have been dangerous enough. They were ready to get rid of him. So while he proclaimed a year acceptable to the Lord, he who proclaimed it is not acceptable. Because they thought they knew him. There's a saying, of course, you you perhaps know it, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And the opposite is equally true. Familiarity breeds contempt. And they thought they knew everything about him. And they could not allow him to be who he truly was without holding him perhaps in contempt. I I will admit I have a deeper understanding of this passage. Uh, A number of years ago, I had a conversation with a young man, or not so young, uh, I think he was about my age that I am now, so uh, he was older than me. But he was discerning the priesthood and he wanted to enter our diocese uh, and uh, the seminary for our diocese, but he was not from our diocese. And I said, well, why aren't you going to your home diocese? He says, well, no, no uh, prophet is accepted in his native place. And I started to chuckle and admitted to him, well, you're talking to a uh, priest who was just assigned to his home parish. And I'm not saying whether I was accepted or not. I didn't get shot anyway in my time there. But I think what the difference was is that I was able to let go of my preconceived ideas of the people that I had grown up with, had known for my entire life, and they let go of their ideas. See, they didn't 
hold me to being that little punk that rode bikes around old man Joe. Or, although it was with love, one did remind me of watching me carry my sister downtown up to my grandpas and grandmas. But they let go of those images that they had in order to understand that there was something more here. And I think that's what Jesus is inviting the congregation in the synagogue at Nazareth and what he's inviting us to do as well. After all, and I find myself reflecting on it frequently and especially these days, we live in a world that perhaps the best image I can use is vaccinated just enough against Jesus. And I use that word purposely because a vaccine uses usually a deadened form of the bacteria or an inert form of the virus. They use a deadened form of what Jesus really truly isn't. And they think we know just enough about Jesus that we don't have to accept him because if we accept him, well, this is not who Jesus is. And to be honest, I would reject the the Jesus that the world rejects too. Jesus is so much more than what this world tells us. And so they've been vaccinated just enough against him that they don't want the truth of who he is. And we need to give that truth. And our Catholic schools exist to help us give that truth. But even more, as we hear in this second reading, this, in context, there's more going on that out of context so often, uh, it's always oh, a lovely, oh, we have to have it for our wedding. And I, I point out to the wedding couples, look at it in context. The Corinthian community is divided. They've been fighting among themselves, which is the greatest spiritual good. Oh, I have the gift of prophecy. I can know what God himself wants us to know. No, I, I have the greatest gift. No, no, I have the greatest gift. I have the gift of tongues. I can speak in languages that I don't know and people understand. No, I have the greatest gift. I have the gift of administration. I have the gift of teaching. I have the gift of this. I have the gift of that. And they're so divided that when they come to celebrate the Eucharist together, that division enters even where we are not to be divided. And after that, and after this passage, St. Paul calls them really to task. When you come, you go then and you separate yourselves. The rich eat rich fare, enjoy good wine, and the poor go home hungry. This is not what Jesus Christ called us to. This is not love. And so he starts this whole poem out with reminding us that if we don't have love, we are nothing. We can have all the knowledge in the world. We can know the greatest things, the mysteries of the universe itself. But if we don't have love, we're nothing. We can speak words that move hearts that convert minds, that change lives. But if we don't have love, we're just noise. And perhaps this is why the world is inoculated, vaccinated just enough with Jesus as we've spoken so much noise that we haven't loved like we ought to. And St. Paul tells us what love, uh, love is, and last night no one corrected me, but I'm convinced You know, we we live in a culture that keeps asking that question, what is love? 
Or the, the famous song, I want to know what love is. Like 20, 25% of our songs that we sing have to do with love or a twisted version of love anyway. And the world wants to know what love is. We in the church know what love is. God is love. God is love and reveals love to us when he sent his son. God is love and revealed his son to us who suffered and died to show us love, to restore us to the ability to love fully, completely. And St. Paul tells the Corinthians, look, you're not love. You're not filled with love. Love is a choice. A number of years ago, I was on a retreat, and one of the persons giving a meditation gave it on this passage. And he invited us to consider where it says love. Put yourself there. Because that's what St. Paul is inviting the Corinthian community to do. And the church, in including this in our canon, including this in the list of accepted letters of, of the apostles, is telling us that what, this is what we should do too. So we might ask, am I patient? Am I kind? Am I jealous or pompous? Am I inflated or rude? Am I seeking my own interest? Am I quick-tempered? Am I brooding over injury? Do I rejoice over wrongdoing? Do I fail to rejoice over the truth? kind of a telling question, isn't it? And I believe if we keep asking the Lord to help us be patient and kind and, and let go of jealousy and pompousness, that we would seek the interests of others, that we would rejoice in the truth and correct the wrongdoers, the wrongdoings, I believe we will be a better example. This is perhaps the main reason for our schools, our Catholic schools, to exist. I, every year I walk this tight, tight line because I know there's, there's so much division between the public school and the Catholic school and those that support the Catholic school or those that would not support the Catholic school. I see it all as a false dichotomy when it comes down to it. And let's be honest, our public schools, especially in this corner of the state, are pretty good. We have good education, we have good sports. And if all our Catholic schools are is about an education, we're doing okay. In fact, we're probably doing better okay. Most Catholic schools are slightly above average from our public schools when it comes to academics. And it's not that we take the best, but it has to do with our small class sizes, the individual treatments that our teachers are able to give to our students. But as good as academics are, as good as athletics are, if there is not the faith being taught, and not just in a class, a religion class, an hour, half an hour, whatever it is, a day or a week, but throughout the day, that time and again, we expose our children to Jesus Christ as he truly is, not this deadened version of him, that we ex would expose be exposed time and again to Jesus Christ who loves us and invites us to a deeper love, invites us to love one another, that we would get beyond the false divisions, get beyond the things that divide us in order to love more deeply. We let go of what we think we know of Jesus 
and come to know him at a deeper level. That he would be Lord and God, not just a good teacher, not just somebody who did a miracle or two, not just somebody who's so incredible that we cannot believe, but the God who loves us, who created us, who saved us on the cross, who rose again to give us life and calls us into a community, not only us, but the entire world. I'll use that image again. If we are truly exposed to Jesus Christ as he truly is, let us be contagious. We've been hiding the last two years from this virus. There's something greater than the virus. It's Jesus Christ. Let us be so contagious that people begin to spontaneously understand who Jesus truly is, that they would let go of their preconceived ideas, that he would no longer, the dead version, be the only version that they know, that they would know the truth, Jesus Christ, who is God.